BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is this somebody that should be leading a, a multi-million dollar company, our organization, that should be the representative of our lodge? Absolutely not. You know, you can you can make an argument and a fight without looking like uh, a buffoon in the room. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Bob Bartlett, a candidate in an election in Chicago, if you can believe this, that has nothing to do with the race for mayor of Chicago. (laughs) Bob, you're running for president of the Fraternal Order of Police, which has a very contentious relationship, to say the least, with the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. You are challenging John Catanzara, the incumbent FOP president who has stood toe-to-toe with Lightfoot over all things law enforcement, including the mayor's vaccine mandate. Bob, why are you running? Why does the fiery and notoriously outspoken president of the FOP deserve to be replaced? Because we need to make changes. Uh, There's a lot of things that are going on in the background that the members don't know. And a lot of that is going to be part of my administration's Uh, transparency. A lot of that stuff is contained in uh, what happens at our board meetings. And there's there's minutes taken from those meetings and they make it very difficult for our members to see that. And what I want our members to start seeing is how these board members are voting and what they're voting for. And these exorbitant uh, expenditures like the $80,000 food truck, you know, now he wants a $75,000 signboard on the front of the lodge. You know, the fact that he took money for to run for the national FOP president spot and he didn't run and he didn't want to return it, you know, and then he raises dues in violation of our bylaws at this meeting. And it's stuff that people need to start seeing. He also wants to uh, build a new headquarters for the union. He says there isn't enough parking. What do you think of that? Well, my concern is, is what that's going to be financially to our members, because we can see how he spends money now. Is this going to be a Taj Mahal, you know, his his great uh, castle? And we're going to be spending exorbitant amounts of money and he's going to be raising our dues again. That's my chief concern. We need a building that fits our needs. That's not going to be a, a detriment to our members and having to pay more dues. You're saying that he's squandering money. How much has he squandered and are you broke or what's the situation? Well, we're not broke now, but because he, like I said, he really raised our dues. He's getting two and a half million dollars more a year. He says it's for the PAC, but not all of it's going towards our PAC. 
And then you look at his travel expenses, $26,000 last year to go traveling. It, we don't need to spend all this money on stuff to get things done. Do you need a new headquarters? I don't know if we necessarily need a new headquarters, but we need to fix the issue with the parking. Now, whether that means that we need a new uh, lodge building, that's something that uh, we're going to put a committee together and explore the, you know, the different options. I don't want to have to tax the uh, members of this union more money just to go get another building because, you know, we have other options. We want to explore those and then we'll make a decision. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to get a new building. It could mean we keep the same building. We just figure out uh, a parking situation for our members so they can come to the lodge and, and view the and be part of the lodge and you know, go to our meetings. John Catanzara is, I believe, the most or one of the most disciplined police officers in the history of the CPD. He quit to avoid being fired for allegedly crossing the line in many of his rants on social media and for filing reports on police supervisors and Eddie Johnson, the former superintendent. How has that gotten in the way of his representing your members? Aren't there some police officers who appreciate his defiance against the mayor of Chicago, who they don't like either. Well, you do, you're, you do need to speak up and that, that I want to make that clear. That's not something that is going to change, but there's a manner in which you do that. And so you do it so that you still have lines of communication to get things done. You call, you call the mayor out, you call 35th street out. And, and at the end of the day, you still have to be able to have a personal relationship with the people, uh, that you have to try and get stuff done with and that he, he cannot do. I mean, he has eroded every uh, group of people he's involved with, this, with uh, our state legislators, with the people at city hall, with city council. I mean, yelling at aldermen that are, are our friends and it's gotten so bad that legislators won't work with them to get stuff done in Springfield. And all, a lot of our officers are being harmed and not being able to get this COLA in retirement. And as long as he's there, that's not going to happen. And that's just, that's not just me saying that this is the president of the pension board. You can, they can, these, uh, our members can ask the uh, presidents of the other police unions. So it's not just me saying this, this is, this is a well-known fact that he is not going to be able to get stuff done in, in Springfield. You accuse him of having a sort of a verbal version of a scorched earth policy, basically, then. Oh, 100%. And, and, it ha and people can see it. They can, they've seen it at our meetings. They've seen it in these roll calls where he's going out campaigning. When you ask him a question and he doesn't want to talk about it, he starts yelling at you. And that's 101 of, you know, police interviews. When you ask somebody something and they start screaming and making a, a, a big to-do about it, you're on a hot budget topic that they don't want to talk about, whether it's they don't have the information or they're lying about something. During the battle royal over Lightfoot's vaccine mandate, Catanzara famously told me and only me, we're in America, uh, God damn it, is what he said. We don't want to be forced to do anything, period. This ain't Nazi effing Germany, where they say, step into the effing showers. The pills won't hurt you. What the F? This is what he said. And then he got angry with me for reporting it. Um, and then he apologized on a video uh, on your YouTube channel. Uh, members of the Jewish community demanded that. 
What do you think of that remark? And is it typical of some of the other things that he's done in private and public? The mayor calls him a racist. It's 100% typical of, of him. He's, he spouts off without thinking about what he's going to say and how it's going to affect people. And just the fact that he brings up those those ridiculous uh um, references just shows you where his head is. I mean, is this somebody that should be leading a, a multi-million dollar company or organization should be the representative of our lodge? Absolutely not. You know, you can, you can make an argument and a fight without looking like a, a buffoon in the room. And when he apologized, he tried to explain his comparison by saying, quote, when governments, whether it's Nazi Germany or modern day Chicago, try to start or any other major city like New York and many others who are doing this, try to create policies that mandate their employees first to do things with their bodies, it will not stop there. You are opening the doors for the citizens to be next. And that's that's where he makes the comparison to what happened in Nazi Germany. It wasn't the first controversial thing, of course, that Cottonzera has said. He also right. initially defended those responsible for storming the U.S. Capitol. But say what you will about Cottonzera, with Paul Vallis's help as an unpaid union advisor, he did help deliver a new police contract that gave your members a 20% pay raise over eight years, more than half of it retroactive. That ended the longest labor stalemate in this city's history. Now, granted, there are still plenty of disciplinary issues that remain to be settled, but was that contract not good enough? Didn't it earn praise from some of your members? I mean, or or are they saying the, the raise wasn't enough? What do they think of this contract? Well, let's start with say, with the the contracts not finalized. That was only one part of the contract, right? And the fact that he uh, agreed to the pay raises that were only a half a percent more than the city was originally offering, I think we would have done far better in arbitration. And then let's bring up the fact that the uh, over three and a half years ago, we were able to strip the contract of the police board from our contract. The problem is is uh, that doesn't go in effect till this complete contract is ratified. So that means he's been renegotiating a contract for three more years, sending people to the police board that would have the opportunity to go in front of an arbitrator and probably still have their job. Um, Explain that now, because people don't know the intricacy of that. What is the the change? Yeah. So the... uh, Many years ago, our organization agreed to the police board, but under state law, that the dispute between you and your employers is supposed to be handled by an arbitrator, but we agreed to it. So as long as it's in our contract, we have to keep going to the police board. We brought the contract language forward, stripping that from our contract. And then we took it a step further and we went right to the Illinois labor board who agreed with us and said that we no longer have to go to the police board, but that doesn't take effect until our contract is completely ratified. Meaning all these officers are still going to the police board and would have an opportunity to go in front of an arbitrator for their separation cases. And I believe a lot more officers would be on, still on this job and would start highlighting COPA's uh, 
radical discipline, exorbitant discipline that's out of whack with what we should be actually getting as far as discipline. And then, and that's been shown in other arbitrations for discipline less than separation, where they give exorbitant discipline, and then when it comes back from the arbitrators, drastically reduced. Now, you think COPA should not have the power to investigate police-involved shootings. Why not? Well, I proved that um, it did an investigation. So by state law, you have a requirement in order to investigate any homicide. So any police-involved shooting, a police-involved death, you have to have a certification called Lead Homicide Investigating Certificate. COPA is not able to have that because there's other components to that. One of the components is you have to be a sworn police officer under state law, and you also have to be part of a law enforcement agency. Obviously, COPA and their investigators are neither of those. So I brought that investigation down to the Illinois Training and Standards Board, and I addressed their board, and they agreed with me, and their their head attorney wrote a letter of attestment to that, and that's why it's in federal court right now. It looks like that um, from the dealings with the, our attorney that um, the detectives we have, they, they're called IRT, they, they, they investigate the police-involved sh- shootings. They'll continue to do that, and then they'll have somebody from the state police uh, overlooking it and certifying those investigations so that we're in compliance with law, you know, the state law. But you have uh, investigators at COPA that don't have the knowledge and experience that the police detectives have in investigating these things. They can look at the stuff and see if we follow the rules, but they shouldn't be looking at the investigation itself. So why are they still doing it? Uh, because they haven't figured it out and they haven't come to a resolution in, in court. And what are the issues that this contract, which was limited to basically the financial issues, what is still to be decided in this contract? I don't have privy to all those things. I think some of them are additional financials uh, revolving around uh, specialties like, uh, you know, um, being able to the medic having the medic pegs and uh first aid kits and stuff like that i know they're looking for uh more money for uh ftos uh the swat team like everybody that has a specialty they were looking to get more money for i know that's some of it i don't know all the interworkings because once they took over i was no i was no longer welcome to be involved There are so many issues confronting police officers in Chicago and across the nation. Let's start at a national level. What did you think when you saw the video of Memphis police officers manhandling, beating, and ultimately beating to death Tyree Nichols? That was disgusting. Those are, they were acting like the people we, we put in jail. Um, to look at that video and, and not be disgusted as a police officer, as a human being is, is, you know, Come on. I mean, uh, I think it's, you know, some of it's based on lowering police standards and, and, and getting people on a job. And also the, the fact that people don't want to take this job anymore because of the, you know, the stigma. And it's, the stigma is based around people like that who make the good police officers look, you know, bad. Lowering the standards because nobody wants the job or because they want right. to what, what is the reason? How did they lower the standards and what has changed there? Well, they a lot of times they lower the education standard. They low, lower the uh, age. So, you know, you get less mature people taking this job. But it's based on the fact that they see what's going on in the media. And then you have 
like the COPA organization that is disciplining officers to radical amounts. And police don't want to deal with that. They don't want to worry about, uh, you know, are they, are they going to be, you know, be without pay for 30 days? Are they going to get fired or worse yet? Are they going to try and uh, put them in uh, jail for, you know, not turning on their body camera? I mean, that's how ridiculous some of this has gotten. And now it's hurting our officers because now we don't have the officers we need. The 16th district has, does not have nearly enough police officers that they need. And it's a safety issue for them. It's a safety issue for backup. It's a safety issue for the people that live in this neighborhood because they can't get police in a uh, reasonable amount of time. Uh, How could so many officers, though, participate in treating another human being that way, let alone the victim of a traffic stop, while others did not follow their obligation to stop it? What is it about the culture of policing some places? I don't know. I, I I don't know how you could sit there and watch that and not get involved. I mean, I could kind of see like from the EM, the medical people that came there. I mean, I, I would be awestruck at, at first seeing that what was going on there. But I think at a certain point, you you have to realize this is not this is not how you treat a human being. And you have to step in. And you're saying that the lowering of the standards is the reason for this or what is the reason no. for this? I think, you know, I think occasionally you get the wrong people taking this job for the wrong reasons. And, uh, you know, we need to do a better job of weeding those people out, do a better background on them and do, you know, maybe we uh, hire this, raise the standards back up to, uh, you know, need a college degree again. We it used to be an associate. You needed to get on this job. Maybe we go back to, uh, you know, you have to be 23 again. Those are they did those standards back. I think it was in the in the 90s. They raised our standards because of issues like this with, you know, officers committing crimes while on the while on the job. And now the standards are what? They got lowered. Now you now you just need a high school diploma. And I think it's down to 21. I mean, they look because they have to lower their standards because they're now they're just looking for bodies. And yeah, the Chicago Police Department has 1,700 police vacancies. Mayor right. Life claims the city picked up the pace of hiring last year with 956 officers hired, but police officers are still retiring faster than the city can hire right. their replacements. Why are police officers fleeing Chicago in droves, many of them, to take policing jobs in other states or surrounding suburbs? What is it about the Chicago Police Department and this mayor and this superintendent that they don't like? The policies and the procedures, the the COPA's investigations, you know, the working 12 hour days, getting your days off canceled, you know, not having, you know, not having the free time you want with your family. Those are all things that are not alluring to uh, anybody that wants this job or people that want to, you know, the lure people that want to stay on this job. If you can go somewhere else and make the same amount of money and have a less stressful job, that's what a lot of people are, you know, choosing to do. And I, I can't blame them, but we, there has to be a change at the top. And hopefully that's going to happen. I believe that's going to happen with this mayoral race. And then it changes at 35th Street and start working on policies and procedures to address. Yeah, we have to address those manpower issues. But how can we do it where it's, it's least invasive in our officers' uh, 
you know, free time and giving them the opportunity to mentally de decompress, spend time with their families and friends so we don't have this uh, abundance of officer suicide. That all, all this stuff plays in, plays roles into why these officers are committing suicide. And we need to have a change at the top and people to actually look at what is the well-being of our officers as well as fit, uh, taking care of the needs of the, the police department and the communities. When you say change at the top, you mean two changes. One yeah. Is, you're talking about City Hall and 35th Street at police headquarters. Correct, 100%. Every one of the eight mayoral challengers has promised to fire Police Superintendent David Brown, the retired Dallas police chief that Lori Lightfoot had her eye on from the beginning, went around the police board she once led to get, she literally hired Brown on the day after she got the names of the three finalists from the police board. It was like a sham. She made mm -hmm. sure the other finalists pale by comparison. What do the rank and file think of David Brown? Oh, it's obvious. They don't think he's in touch with, you know, the, our, our rank and file. I mean, why do, why do we always have to go outside the city to find somebody to fill that role? Why isn't it somebody that's moved up this rank and know uh, what our officers need, our officers want, understand this job in Chicago. He may understand the job in Dallas and what the needs are there, but I don't think he sees the needs of our members here. Do you see him as a puppet of Lori Lightfoot? Is she, is she playing checkers with the police department? Is she running it? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's going to happen to, to an extent, no matter who you put in there. But if it's somebody that's from, in inside the department from that's rose, rose up the ranks at least he understands uh, our officers and understands how to talk to them and can communicate with them and it was would be more willing to work with the union to get stuff done so it doesn't cause these issues with our officers these officers working ridiculous amounts of hours these officers mental health i think somebody from inside the department should be our next superintendent What's wrong with David Brown? He's a proud man with a proud history and a career in Dallas. What's wrong with him? I just, I don't think he, I don't think he, I think he just does whatever the mayor says. I don't think, I think he's just here to get a paycheck. And then when it's all said and done, he's going to go back to Dallas and he's going to make his, you know, exorbitant salary for how many every years. And, you know, this Chicago is going to be left to fix the problems after he's gone. Are you saying he's a puppet on Lori Lightfoot's string? Yes, 100%. How so, though? Give me an example. Well, just like the the um, the policies and procedures. It doesn't seem like they truly care about our officers and going in and how infringent on their personal life they are. Just make them work 12 hours. Just make them cancel their days off. Just extend their, extend their uh, um, tours of duty. That's not somebody that cares about his, the, the men that he's a, a leader of. That's someone that's just doing whatever the city wants to fill those roles. Why aren't, you, why aren't we working to uh, make this a more alluring job by, you know, um, dealing with issues with COPA? He never comes out and defends our officers. The Toledo shooting is one, one great example of that. That officer had a split second to make that decision and he did nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. And that that young boy made an affirmative movement that was consistent with somebody turning and shooting at you. That was completely reactive. 
And to sit there and not defend our, our officers when they do the right things, that just shows you that he's a puppet of the of uh, of the mayor. Police officers literally turned their backs on Lori Lightfoot when they gathered at the hospital to pray for Carlos Yanes Jr., <laughs> the seriously wounded partner of slain Chicago police officer Ella French. Carlos Sr., a former police officer himself, subsequently accused Lightfoot of laying the groundwork for that West Englewood traffic stop that resulted in the fatal shooting of Ella French and left her partner fighting for his life with a string of reforms and policy changes that tied the hands of Chicago police officers. Do you agree with that? And how have, if you do agree, how has Lightfoot and Brown tied the hands of police officers and endangered them? Yes, I do agree. Let's, uh, they have made it so, and, it, and it, it ties into Kim Fox as well, that these criminals are not held accountable for anything. So they're bold and brazen and have no respect for law and order. And that is a prime example of why that incident happened. Those, uh, those, those two boys, those offenders should not have been on the street. And what happened to those uh, to Ella French and and Giannis is a, 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 a tragedy, and they're heroes. And the things that need to be changed are starting to uh, hold people accountable and stop blaming the officers for what happens on the street. When something goes wrong and some in in a uh, in a police officer shooting and somebody and and the offender ends up dead, they want to look for the how to blame the police officer. It's not the police officer's fault. They did not create that that situation. The offender did. We need to stop blaming police officers for what happened. It's a tragic event. what about the policy that... changes, the foot chases and the vehicle chases? Yeah. The, what has Brown and what have Lightfoot and Brown done to tie the hands and endanger the lives of police officers? Right, well, the foot and traffic uh, pursuits are ideal. Even if you have a valid reason to uh, chase somebody for a foot chase or a vehicle foot, uh, chase and something goes wrong, they're going to try and blame the officer and fire the officer. There's countless examples of that. If you if the city actually wants officers to do police work, they're going to pull those things back. If you want the officers don't want to get do traffic stops now, they don't want to they don't want to pursue criminals. Because if something happens, they're the ones that are looking at losing their job, losing their you know financial future, and it's not it's not a a situation where these officers are going to get involved. These officers are putting their blinders on and and not looking for the criminals like they used to. So basically, they're going through the motions or just mm -hmm. responding to calls or what? What are they doing yeah. out there to protect they, themselves that way? They just they go to the call, do what's required of them, and come up and and you know they're just trying to get through the eight hours or eight and a half hours and and go home. Or obviously it's twelve hours for some of them in, in some of these districts where they don't have the manpower, and they're just trying to avoid the situations that are going to put them in harm's way. And so you they're can't going through them. the motions, right? You can't blame them if every time you do something that you you believe in your heart is the right thing to do as a police officer. And you get in trouble for it. You get disciplined. It's like it's like the battered uh, wife syndrome. You're not going to keep doing it. You're going to you're going to avoid the situations so that it doesn't continue to happen. So they so the find criminals of, must know this. They must oh, know this, right? 
Yes, they're emboldened they, and, by this then. They right, know, ha ha, they're laughing probably. Right. And they try to taunt the officers when they do go on a scene and they come out in groups of people and, and, and try to disrupt the uh, the arrests when they're making arrests. And then when those happen, then now we have uh, COPA and Force Review looking at, did you do something wrong when they're trying to protect themselves? You're running on what you call the second city slate. You're promising to fight for, among other things, double time pay for mandatory overtime. Why? Right. Well, if you're going to force these officers to do this, that they should be compensated at a higher rate. Let's make it, uh, a, you know, undesirable for the city to make you force people to do overtime. There's plenty of officers out there that want to work overtime. I, you know, I'm in the area four, I'm a detective and I see people who sign up for overtime and I see that there's an abundance of people signing up for what's available. So obviously there's people out there that want this overtime. They have financial hardships. They have to pay for whatever college or kids schooling and they need to, that, that extra money to get to pay those bills. Why aren't we doing like we did with VRI where, you know, you can sign up for uh, overtime and then stop and stop forcing on people that don't want to do it. People that, you know, don't have a financial hardship would prefer to spend time with their family or there's, you know, their free time. So there's ways around it. I just think the city or the department takes the easiest road path and that's, oh, we're just going to cancel your days off. And then you can ask us if you can uh, not not have to come into work that day. That's not that's not a department that is uh, truly concerned about officers' well-being and officers' mental health. That's the taking the easy path, the easy way out. Your platform also includes securing police pensions. How the casino was supposed to do that to the tune of two hundred million dollars a year? Yeah, well, we're still waiting for that to get done. When I was up there in the past administration, we worked with the city to make the change in the state law to get that done. Um, it's Basically, it's holding the city, uh, the city accountable to make those ARC payments, those required payments uh, into our pension, and they're doing it. The, the pension is in, right now is at 22.5%. It's going to start getting, um, it's going to start moving up. It's starting looking better, but it's going to take time. It's just like anything else. you know. So what you, else is it going to take to secure these pensions? I mean, $200 million a year at best, at best, and that's a couple of years out for a casino if it makes it there is right. not going to secure a pension that has only 22% of the assets to cover liabilities. Right. Right. What well, else is it going to take? Uh, I think it's going to take a mayor that is um, going to work to you know bring people in here to spend money. And that takes cleaning up downtown. I mean, I if you drive through downtown, you look at it like graffiti. Is this somewhere you want to come and spend uh, your money, vacation? We need to make this alluring. And that comes with also making this a safe city. So we gotta we gotta start gearing, having a mirror gear towards uh, bringing in people that want to spend money. You want to develop a deferred retirement option. Oh, what the do you drop. Mean by that? Okay. So they're doing this, and this will help the manpower. They're doing this across the country. It's called a drop program, and what essentially it does is these officers that are could are retiring and going to another department, they can stay here and keep working in their capacity. And the money that they would be collecting in the pension stays in the pension fund and collects interest. And then they get that money back when they do it. It varies from one to five years. And there's other variations that have to be worked out uh, to make a pension solvent where the pension still still grows and it doesn't hurt the pension. But it keeps uh, officers here 
working longer and keeps the manpower up and, you know, making, making uh, it safer because we have the manpower that we need to have backup for our other officers. You want to work with the city to create a comprehensive plan to address manpower issues. What do you mean by yeah. that? What kind of plan? Well, we ha- we'd have to sit down with the city and the department and what is their plan to get officers? What are their other plan, you know, new hires? What is their other plans other than just um, giving out a test? Are we looking at later- lateral transfers and how are we looking at those? Because it's not alluring to somebody that already has a job and is making is up, you know, has the years and making a, a good salary to come here, take a lower salary, have to sell their 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 house and move into the city. What things can we do to lure those people to come here? And and it also is going to take our lodge working with the city to go and recruit officers. Then that, that means we go out to go out to the you know, community colleges or the high schools and say, here, this is a career you guys might want to look into and start uh, actively taking up a role in that. But you're not willing to do that under this mayor and this superintendent, I take it. Well, if we'll do it either way, if it's either working with the city to uh, go out and recruit people or we can do it on our own. There's no reason that the lodge can't go out to on its own and go recruit officers to come take the test and be part of the this organization. Why haven't you done that already? I mean, we desperately need people. Why haven't I done? I'm not in that capacity. Why, why hasn't the lodge done it? Uh, I think that's a question you have to ask them. I don't know. Maybe they don't have the foresight for that. I mean, he's more about telling people to leave this job um, for lateral transfers. And now some of those people want to come back and we there there's no policy or procedure in place to address that. And that's something that needs to be addressed. The FOP does not include uh, the board does not include a single African-American. Kent and Zara famously threatened to expel a black officer from the union for kneeling with protesters after the death of George Floyd and the civil unrest that followed. That prompted mm-hmm. a protest in front of your union headquarters by black police retirees. What do you intend to do if elected to heal those racial wounds? Well, we're going to have people that are going to go out to the, there's assigned to go out to the districts and we're, we're going to, I'm going to call it mentoring the future of the FOP. And we're going to look to be more inclusive to everybody. That means these districts that have a lot of black officers or Hispanic officers and get them to fill the roles of the unit rep and watch reps spots. And then from there, we're going to start teaching them what, how the union works, the inner workings of the union, how our contract is, uh, how do we through our contract, how do you use grievances, how to uh, use legal defense and bring them in and get them on committees and get them involved. And the next election comes, we'll have more people more uh, op- with more opportunities to run for these positions on the board. Um, right now, people don't want to be involved. Like I said, you can go to these board, the, our meetings, and ask a question and you get yelled at. Nobody wants to go there and get yelled at for, a que- for asking a question. That's not how our union should be worked. We can have a difference of opinion and walk away having the difference of opinion and being respectful for me, of each other. When's the election, Bob? So the ballots are going to be, the ballots are already out. They weren't supposed to go out till next week, but they're, uh, they're out and in the mails. People are already getting them. The ballots will be called on March 3rd. If somebody doesn't get their ballot or for whatever reason they don't get it mailed in time, they can go down to the lodge on March 3rd and uh, 
vote from nine to nine to noon. And then uh, they're going to count the ballots that afternoon. And we should know who the president is by early evening. On March 3rd. Yep, March 3rd. All right. Best of luck to you, sir. I have to say Thank that you. John Catanzara has refused to talk to me because I happen to have reported his remark about the Holocaust. Uh, no. And so, whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, best of luck. I will ask him to respond to some of the things you've said here. I'm sure he's not going to call me back. Uh, Anyway, Uh, we will see you all next week. All right. Take care.